Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. You're listening to the best of the Roto Experts in the morning. But maybe yeah. Bavona was using can't, you can hate me now, but I won't stop now because, Scotty, you came in on Saturday as the defending champion of the GST League and you had your trophies with you. You got a trophy and people were kind of hating, but it didn't stop you. Right, Scotty? Yeah, well, of course, people are going to hate when you're the champion. But, you know, there were a lot there were a lot of classy people, though, and they're like like Matt Modica and John Caravella, who congratulated me and. As much crap as Corey, uh, you know, gives me, there's a picture of me with the trophy and Corey's beaming, beaming in the back like he's very happy for me when it's all said yeah. and done. Yeah, I but saw if that anybody's as... not happy for me, I don't care because everybody wanted to be me on Saturday. That's why they. That's play. what I'm talking about. You can hate me now, but I won't stop now. That was the King Scotty Angle. We're gonna get into this GST and our drafts and our rosters. What I do want to remind people: if you want to holler at us, you can at eight four four eight four three six eight seven nine. We got a poll question up right now as well, Scotty. Which teams have been the most surprising in the preseason right now? Thirty three percent are saying the Cleveland Browns. Second right now is 28% the Bengals, 22% the Jets, 17% of you think another team, maybe someone like the Baltimore Ravens are in your mind. All right, Scott, let's look at this GST draft, okay? You were the Phantom 516 forever. I'm the spitting statisticians. We were back-to-back, right? We were the sixth and the seventh picks. You, right away, in the sixth pick, you went DeAndre Hopkins. Then I wound up with Alvin Kamara in the first round. Can't be mad at that, especially with PPR formats. Um, Scotty, you think D-Hop has a chance to be the number one wide receiver in all of fantasy football this year, especially if Deshaun Watson can stay healthy. That Clemson connection could really be uh, fruitful for D-Hop, right? Yeah, look at Hop- Look at Hopkins last year. 13 touchdown passes mm-hmm. from uh, overall, and he talked to Deshaun Watson just started six games. Imagine this connection over a full year. It's going to challenge Antonio Brown. Yeah, you got to think about that as well. I went Kamara because I wanted to go running back, right? I wanted to go running back, and Kamara, I think, is also going to catch 70, 75 balls. Again, I do not believe in any kind of sophomore slump. I told you I like the high-octane offense there in New Orleans. And listen, I'm not on some he's going to get even more because of Mark Ingram in the first four weeks, but I still love him in PPR settings. I did say, though, Scott, that I wanted to get a running back there. You did not. Okay, in this draft, you went wide out, wide out, wide out with your first three picks. DeAndre Hopkins, then Devontae Adams, and Tyreek Hill. Talk to me about why you went uh, triple wide out in this, uh, in this format, and then we'll talk about a little bit, you know, what your running backs are still, um, what you're able to still go to war with on a week-to-week basis, even though you went this way. Talk to me why you went wide out, wide out, wide out. Was it something that you were going into the draft thinking, or was it just the way the kind of board fell? to you no and this is a lesson again for everybody that's listening you can't uh, so many people say should i go running start running back right. running back then wide receiver wide receiver you there's can't no solid design you can't do it originally you gotta let the draft come to you this me going three wide receivers to start was not by design whatsoever but when Devonte adams was still there with the fifth pick of the second round i considered joe mixon but to me Devonte adams 
could be a top four fantasy wide receiver this year as the clear number one target for Aaron Rodgers, probably going to have a career year. And then in the third round, with the eighth pick, I said, I'm looking at the running backs left on the board. And, you know, some of the top ones were, like I said, maybe I can get one of the ones I want coming around. Let me take the chance because at this point, I think I think uh, where I was at, the last wide receiver in the tier remaining was still available. I said Tyreek Hill gives me three number one fantasy wide receivers. Yeah, fair enough. Let's look at the other side then, okay, Scotty? Now, you talk about what is the impact on your uh, running game, right? You still, however, though, in my opinion, your top three running backs here, and remember, this is a PPR format, you're still going to go Alex Collins, Jay Ajayi, and then Tyreek Cohen, I would imagine, as your third running back. So you're still happy with where you wound up at running back? Yeah, I love Alex Collins. I mm-hmm. think I have ranked uh, top 15 this year on Roto Experts. Uh, it's going to be a lot of volume. I loved him as a rookie. The fumble problems are way behind. You know, great vision, good balance, very elusive, can put his foot in the turf and pick, make people miss. He's a very complete workhorse running back, I believe, although he doesn't look necessarily the part. He's going to be the part. Jay Ajayi, I think, with Legar Blunt out of town. Uh, look, I worry about Ajayi because, you know, knee on knee, bone on bone. Right. It's... Uh, you know, you're always concerned. But to me, with LeGarrette Blunt out of town, you know, on a very good offense, he's going to be the guy that rushes for eight, nine touchdowns. And then, look, I love Tariq Cohen. I think this, this guy is the next Aaron Sproles, and I really think Matt Nagy is going to unleash him. Yeah, so you still wind up happy with where you are at the running back position. You did also, Scott, in a move that drew some responses, you took the fourth tight end off the board after the big three. So after Gronk goes, after Ertz goes, and after Kelsey went, you were the next team to take a tight end. And uh, your co-owner, your partner, did not seem to be tremendously excited about it, but you drafted Indianapolis Colts' Jack Doyle. You went up and got your guy, Scotty. Yeah, look, you know, my friend Dom from Queens, you know, is my co-owner. We we yell and scream at each other at the draft every year, and then we mm-hmm. end up either contending or winning the title. So, you know, it's it's a mix that works. And he wanted to take Kyle Rudolph. He's very high on the Vikings, but I said Jack Doyle caught 80 passes from Jacoby Brissett last year, and he's the second target for Andrew Luck, who's not showing the same zip on his passes. He's going to throw a lot underneath Jack Doyle, to me, is going to be a top-five fantasy tight end. People think that, uh, you know, I took him a little too early. I really don't care. Sometimes if you want your guy, you go for him. Yeah, absolutely. Listen, it is your fantasy team. You get to manage it and prioritize what you want. You mentioned Joe Mixon a little bit earlier, uh, how he was available potentially for you maybe in the second round and you were considering him. But, Scott, he wasn't available for you because I took him one pick before you. Um on the way back, okay? So you mentioned how you went wide out, wide out. I went running back, running back, okay? So I have Alvin Kamara and Joe Mixon, right? Then in the third round, Scotty, I took a guy who's falling, but I know you like. He is my number one wide receiver, so I don't have the studs like you do with D Hop and Devontae Adams, but I still was able to get Doug Baldwin in the third round. Um, and I see him falling there. Listen, if he's healthy, in my opinion, he's going to be a top 10 wide receiver. He's going to get, and there's more touchdown potential with Jimmy Graham not there. We've been talking about who's going to be this red zone. I know you're plugged into the Seahawks, Scotty. Um, Should I be concerned about Baldwin for week one? 
Well, Pete Carroll, you know, was saying that you shouldn't be, uh, that he's going to play week one. This type of thing, it could linger, but it looks like he's going to be healthy for week one. That's that's all that we know. They've, we've held him out. It's not like Doug Baldwin has to play in the preseason. And what was very encouraging with Seattle on, on over the weekend is the, the first team had a very crisp touchdown drive against Minnesota with the line given solid protection for Russell Wilson. And, you know, without Doug Baldwin, without Tyler Lockett, he very efficiently let a, let a scoring drive downfield and looked really, really good. So, look, you take it one week at a time with Baldwin, but I'd be very confident for him week, week one, even though he has a seemingly tough matchup against Denver. Yeah, but Aqib Tlaib isn't there anymore. You know what I mean? There's Chris Harris and stuff still in Roby, I guess. But that defense in the secondary is not exactly what it was a couple of years ago, right, Scotty? Here's why I'd be minorly concerned, though, because, you know, you're going to have Harris maybe. on. But then again, you know, is he going to travel? Are they going to play zone? You, right. you don't know. But if they're going to give a lot of defensive attention to Baldwin, if they're going to give a lot of defensive attention to Baldwin, you know, that opens it up for guys like Jerron Brown and Tyler Lockett, et cetera. Yep. So here you go. And here's the other thing. Okay. So I then hammered the wide receiver position, you know, winded up with guys like Baldwin, Robert Woods and the like, but here's what I'm telling you. Here's what I really liked. And this is kind of the, um, the evidence of some of our other theories, right? I waited, waited, waited on quarterback. I was the last person in our division to draft a quarterback. I waited, waited, waited on tight end. Right? So sure. Um, I may have some deficiencies there, but look at my bench at wide receiver and running back, Scott. These are guys we have talked about in terms of popping off, and these guys are on my bench. I only need one of these guys to take a step forward and maybe – like these guys are not cracking my starting lineup right now, but I'm very excited about either Kenny Stills or Chris Godwin or Galladay. And those guys right now are wide receivers like four, five, and six for me. We have talked about all of them with the potential to be up at wide receiver four, if not better. And I feel like I have good opportunity there as my bench wideout, Scott. Yeah, I think you do. You think you have some excellent depth there. You know, Stills is going to see a lot of volume. Uh, I, think, I think Godwin and Galladay are going to both be touchdown makers. Exactly. And then in the same vein, okay, I'm starting Mixon and Kamara at running back. But listen to these bench running backs. Dion Lewis, Ronald Jones, Jordan Wilkins, and Rex Burkhead. Those are four running backs that are not in my starting lineup. We got Ronald Jones and Jordan Wilkins potentially later. Dion Lewis is getting just as many snaps as Derrick Henry in Tennessee. And then listen, I took a shot on one of the Patriots running backs. They've been saying if Burkhead is there, he could be the focal point of that offense. Offense. Those are four running backs who I like that are not even starting for me. Scott, I got Ronald Jones in round 10. Yeah, the one I really like is Deion Lewis. It's, yeah. To, to me, you know, he's going to be on the verge of being an RB2 this year. I have him top mm-hmm. 20. He is, he is going to catch so many passes out of the backfield. And exactly. he's also going to get, he's actually going to steal some goal line carries from Henry, I think. Absolutely. And so he's going to be my flex play in week one behind Kamara and behind Joe Mixon. And I thought about building this depth in this way, especially because one of the rules of this league, Scott, that I want to get your insight on, we were talking about it. It was like a change, I guess, from GST from years two and year three. This year, Scott, there are no trades, right? Only the fab budget. So can you tell the listeners out here as we close up another edition of Roto Experts in the Morning, how, if at all, does that change your strategy to be quite 
honest, Scotty, for me, that's why I went even more running back wide receiver. I wanted to build the depth at those positions because, as you know, this is a war of attrition. So I wanted to get legitimate starters there. I felt that I had a better chance using my fab budget, God forbid something happened, at the quarterback or the tight end position where, like, anybody, quote-unquote, next man up would be clear and I can invest my fab there. Meanwhile, I'm going, like, six deep already at running back wide receiver. That's the way I interpreted the no trades. Can you tell people out there, how do you play it differently, if at all, um, if there's no trades? Like, for example, when the names John Connor, Austin Eckler, Chase Edmonds were going off the board, it was a little different, right? Because you can't trade with those owners who might be looking for the handcuff. How do you play that format uh, any differently? Uh, I, I do what, what you did. I just built as much depth as I can at running back and wide receiver. Right. Okay. So you agree with me, right? Like, because if we find yes. a tight end that pops off a little bit later on in the season, if, oh my God, we see Vance McDonald is really, you know, a Big Ben security blanket, or if we talk about Austin Safarian Jenkins is actually an option in Jacksonville, I can invest in my fab, but when everyone's getting injuries at running back, which is likely going to happen, I still have Deion Lewis, Rex Burkhead, Ronald Jones, you know, um, and even Jordan Wilkins to go to. So that's the way I did it. You like the approach, huh, Scotty? Yeah, I do. You just got to build as much running back. We had we had two trades, two leagues over the weekend where there were no trades. No trades. I, yeah. I, I, I personally don't like, I'll play with anything, but I personally don't like no trades. It's you know, I'm always looking to prove my team during the season, exactly. and I feel like when you don't have any trades, at some point, if you're off to a slow start, you're really out of it. Yeah, I completely agree with you. There's only so much you can do on the waiver wire, right? Anybody you're getting on the waiver wire was at least, you know, not, uh, not notorious enough to be drafted. You know what I mean? And so, yes, people yeah. come from out of nowhere every single year, and you got to be on them. That's why you got to listen to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. That's why you got to listen to the King Scott Angle, to the spitting statistician Dane Martinez. But I decided to invest there at running back and wide receiver, and that's why, Scott, the number one rule of fantasy sports, regardless of where you are, is to know your settings. Scotty, uh, we are back here. Monday through Friday, Roto Experts in the morning. We got that poll question up as well. The Browns, Scotty. Browns, 35%. People are saying that, uh, you know, they are the most surprising team. I got to tell you something. I went for my second uh, quarterback there. I went with a Tarod, Scott, because listen, Tarod. if he's, if he's going to hold off Baker, he has weapons better than we ever thought. Maybe it's only the first few weeks, but you know, he's my second quarterback and I could always spend fab on anybody I want. I think Tarod is sliding under the radar because a lot of people just assume that Baker Mayfield is going to take this job. I know he had the little wrist injury, but uh, if we think Cleveland is an impressive developing team, we've talked about the offensive line. We know the weapons. Isn't Tarod a... Um, a viable quarterback in Superflex and two quarterback leagues? Uh, yeah, I certainly think so. He has been. No in interceptions. Past. He can yeah. run the ball. He's got yeah. weapons and an offensive 16, line. 16 interceptions during his entire Buffalo career. Uh, you know, he was flirting with at one point during the Buffalo career. I think it was at some point last year would actually be in a top 10 fantasy quarterback. He's underrated. You know, yeah, if you and, want to and, grab two underrated quarterbacks, you, you can get you can get Philip Rivers, who went in the fourteenth round of the Carton and Friends draft yesterday. Right, guy never gets enough respect. Nobody wants Philip Rivers because I don't, you know, I don't know why. 
But you know why? Because he can't be number one. Nobody's satisfied enough with being number eight or being a, the top ten fantasy quarterback five of the last six years. Give me Phillip Rivers every time. No, absolutely, Scotty. I agree with you. Listen, if there's 12 teams in your league and you wind up getting who's probably going to wind up being the seventh or eighth best quarterback and you get him as, you know, the 14th quarterback off the draft, I think young Cardano did that in like round 12 or something. Um, yeah. You got to do it. Remember, it's about the value. And people sleep on Phillip Rivers. They sling it all over the yard. I did similar things with Big Ben. Now, I know a lot of people don't like the road splits with him. But if you believe in Antonio Brown, Juju Smith-Schuster, Le'Veon Bell, you know, apparently that offense is productive. I'll take the shepherd of that herd, Scotty. Yeah, me too. I'm right there with you. Okay, fair enough. With DJ Chark, everything I've seen out of him is that the kid can, you know, beat you in a race. You know what I mean? That the speed is there. But some of the elements of being a more polished wide receiver, a la route running, are something that he's going to still be learning. Like, he can fly right past you on a nine route. But if he needs to kind of move the defender off one side and be able to cut to create space, that's something that he is still developing. Do you agree with that, Scott? Yeah, there's some comparisons to A.J. Green, but, you know, we really haven't seen anything much during the preseason. You know, I've been impressed with some other rookies. I keep talking about Traquan Smith, and he yep. had a really good game over the, over the weekend. You know, he's, he's the rookie that nobody's talking about that I'm really watching. Yeah, and I got to tell you something. If I'm going to take a chance on a rookie pass catcher, the New Orleans Saints is not a bad team to do it with. You know what I mean? Because he's going to be getting balls from uh, future Hall of Famer Drew Brees. This is a guy, Brees, I'm talking about now. With I believe, Scotty, he has half of all the uh, 5,000 passing yard seasons in NFL, se- in NFL history. So if you want to take a chance, right, um, like you said, Traquan Smith, because as we know, listen, Cameron Meredith still coming back from that. That knee injury in uh, in New Orleans, you know, it should be okay, but you know, hasn't has a more opportunity there potentially. And you say he is looking very good, hauled in all of his targets in the Saints preseason game against the Chargers this week. Also, I want to talk a little bit of tight uh, end. Just real, oh, go ahead. Just real, go ahead. just real quick on the Saints, though. Keep two things in perspective. Right now, he's a little bit down the depth chart, but he can move up real quick. And when you talk about Drew Brees' 5,000-yard seasons, you know, I think that's a thing of the past. I think maybe he could have more passing yardage than last year, but he's not going to be that type of passer that he was years ago. But, you know, it's it's, it's a receiver playing with Drew Brees, though, can do well because, you know, he's just so efficient when he does throw the ball. Exactly. And I mean, I'm talking about I'm talking about generally speaking. I agree with you, Scotty. This is not the same Drew Brees of five years ago where all they did was put it up. Right. And Drew Brees was money for 350 in the dome. Right. This is a different Saints team. I've made this point a few times. They are evolving there mostly because of the running backs that they do have and because of the support it gives their defense. Right, Scott, in terms of time of possession, field position. Remember, the Saints moved up from a bottom half defense in years past up to I believe they were eighth last year potentially and a lot of that is due to some of this evolution that is taking place in New Orleans so it is a good point Scott at the same time listen if I'm taking if I'm still taking a rookie pass catcher who may have a chance to pop New Orleans is one of the teams that's definitely on the positive side of the column as opposed to let's say this was happening down in Tampa you know what I mean so um, I think there's still uh, opportunity there and Traquan Smith definitely a name to know uh, in the late rounds if you're still drafting 
Now, we move to some tight end news. We start here in New York where Giants tight end Evan Ingram looks like he's in the cold, dark, quiet room. Looks like he got banged up, maybe concussed in the third preseason game, the Snoopy Bowl against the Jets. Generally, Scott, generally, Scott, this is something that will keep you out maybe a week, maybe two. He should be okay, but, you know, he is early in his career. You don't want to see these things starting to pile up. There is, however, no shortage of other options for Eli Manning in terms of catching passes in New York. Well, you know, he's, he's got Odell. He's got Sterling Shepard, who's had a fine preseason yep. so far. So he's got those two guys. Barkley will catch passes out of the backfield. Agram was seen running on the side at practice uh, yesterday. So yeah, some indications are that he's are improving, but you never know for sure with a concussion. You see, that's the thing. I never want to diagnose. It's... You know, that's good. That's up to people like Dr. A to do. It's like, we don't know how long Marquise Lee is going to be out. We don't know how long Evan Ingram is out. For all we hear is, like, you know, he hasn't passed all the concussion tests and he's questionable for week one. We just don't know. But you can't let it affect you drafting too much in the short term. The people will draft in the moment, and if a guy's injured now, sometimes it creates a value, like I always say. Yeah, absolutely. Think about these guys because remember, whether it's injury or some of these suspended guys, you know, you got to think about it. Is your your season is not only what happens in the first like two or four weeks of the season. All right. Also, though, we know this is an issue. Another tight end down there in Baltimore, Hayden Hurst, Scotty, with that toe injury, they say he's going to be out around three to four weeks. Um, listen, Baltimore, one of the teams that some people feel like are surprising in terms of looking better than you may have thought going into it, especially Joe. Flacco and the offense. Um, listen, they drafted, Scotty, they drafted not one but two rookie tight ends. They have Mark Andrews. They got other guys like Boyle and Max Williams. A lot of new pass catchers in Baltimore, but they had, they had big plans for Hayden Hurst. Um, what's the impact here in Baltimore? That you're probably not going to draft a Baltimore tight end now. Right. Uh, I mean, we, I wasn't really high on any of these rookie tight ends in the first place, Scott. We've talked about this a lot, how tight end are really uh, one position that it maybe takes uh, rookies a little bit of time because it's the blocking schemes and the route tree that they're running. Were you drafting, were you drafting uh, Hayden Hurst anyway? No, but there's one guy that I think could become a big, big, deep sleeper, and he's a rookie. Uh, if Greg Olson gets hurt, I'll be keeping an eye on up for, for Panthers rookie tight end Ian Thomas. Interesting. Ian Thomas down there in Carolina could be an option for a rookie tight end. What about Gasicki down there in, in Miami? I mean, Scotty, we were just in a draft yesterday, right, where Kenny Stills was the first Miami wide receiver taken, and Devontae Parker didn't go, I believe, until something like round 13 or 14. When he finally went off the board, people were like, he's still available? You know, and then, but, but still nobody wanted to take a chance with him. And, you know, if there's so few options, and I know there's Kenyon Drake out of the backfield, uh, we've mentioned it before. What do you think about Gasicki's potential in Miami? As a rookie tight end? No, nothing really. I mean, you know, the, the last preseason game, two targets, drop one, caught the other one for 10 yards. He, he You know, he's he's got all the physical tools, but he's just not ready to make a contribution. Kenyon Trey caught a 36-yard pass downfield uh, the other night. He's going to be the Dolphins' leading or second-leading receiver. And uh, Danny Amendola, if he stays healthy, nice catch and run, but not somebody you want to draft. He never stays healthy. You know, he'll flash here and there. He's He's a DFS play, I think, Danny Amendola, depending right. on who they're facing. But it's really just Stills and Drake, and that's it. 
Okay, let me let, let, can we go a little deeper on this one, Scotty? I mean, let's just put an even four thousand yards up for say Ryan Tannehill, even though that might be ambitious. But I'm saying just because it's a nice round number to work with, Scotty. Like if you like stills. Even even him as the number one receiver, he's not getting no thousand yards, right? He's like a nine hundred yard kind of guy, maybe. Um, I could see it with a thousand this year, though, because okay, fine. Then, sure, I'll give you a I'll give you a thousand for Stills, right? That still leaves about three thousand yards left. Where are they going? They can't all be going to just Drake and Parker and Amendola. Like, where are these? Where is the production coming from in Miami? I think they're going to be one of the worst teams in the NFL, Scotty. But like, someone has to catch those garbage time uh, production, right? See that, that that's the whole thing. We can't assume that three thousand yards is going to be on the table. We can we can't because if the receiving crew's not that good, you know why we we can't say he's going to throw for four thousand yards. You know he he could he could be throwing for thirty eight hundred yards. You know or thirty seven hundred but- yards. That's not even my point, though, Scott. Fine. Let's call it 3,500 yards. I don't care. There's still, there's still something to be had. So the question is, regardless of, you know, we all think it's going to be a small pie. We all think Miami's not one of the better teams in the league offensively. But how are you slicing it up, regardless of how big the pie is? I'll give you Kenny Stills, but talk to me about Drake, Amendola, Albert Wilson, Mike Gesicki, Devontae Parker. How would you, like, how is this going to go down, in your opinion? Read those tea leaves for me. If I had said say thirty six hundred yards, yeah, I'd give like like uh probably ten fifty to Kenny Stills. Fine. Uh, and then you give like a maybe another six hundred to Drake, something like okay. that. So you got about two thousand uh, left, let's say. So you got about two thousand left. Uh, you know, maybe about seven hundred to Parker. Okay, is and that then, that's still? But that's like a wide receiver four or five. That's a wide receiver four, then no. Yeah. Maybe five, you know. Right, so I'm just getting that, like, you're not gonna someone get a else is going to be fantasy though. relevant, though. There's going to be somebody you know, else catching passes maybe another 700 Tamandola there. Okay. So what does that bring us up to? You still got about five or six left, and maybe that's Gasicki and a guy like Albert Wilson, something like yeah, that. Yeah, it's a mix between the rest. Okay, but what I, I guess what I'm trying to get at, Scotty, is when we talk about someone at seven, 750, something like that, like – that that is viable, not as a starter, you know what I mean, but as, as a, a bye week guy. fill in. Yeah, absolutely. And so, Danny you know, Amendola. Is, all right, so fair enough. Would yeah. you take Amendola? You take Amendola over Parker? No. Okay. I think so listen, keep an eye out. Parker. Keep an eye out on, on Miami because some of these garbage time points matter, and someone's got to catch the ball there. Scott- Start in Jacksonville, Scotty. Yesterday, we said we were speculating. We didn't know for sure. It is now official. Marquise Lee is moved to the injured reserve. He's going to miss the 2018 season. Doug Marone, their head coach, says, though, he is, quote-unquote, comfortable with their options at wide receiver. We're talking about Keelan Cole, uh, DJ Chark. You got Didi Westbrook, Dante Moncrief. Don't forget about Austin Safarian Jenkins there as a pass-catching tight end who they got as well. Sad to see with Marquise Lee, uh, what do you think winds up happening here in Jacksonville? Remember, this is a team, Scotty, where at one point, I think they remember they said they wanted uh, Blake Bortles throwing zero times a game last offseason. Yeah, I, I was 
thinking that, uh, you know, Dante Moncrief is not the one that a lot of people are talking about, but he had a nice catch and run in the last exhibition game. He's the guy with the most experience, I think, is going to step up. You know, you want, I think you look at the veteran receiver first. Uh, Dede Westbrook, probably the one with the most upside. Keelan Cole has some potential downfield as well. But you have to remember, you can't get too excited you know, about this receiving core because Blake Bortles is still the quarterback. This is a team still built heavily on the running game. So I'm not looking at any of these guys as, you know, more than wide receiver fours or fives. To me, Moncrief is a four. Westbrook and uh, Cole are fives. And look, you know, maybe this is a chance like you indicated yesterday for Dez Bryant to sign with a team that went to the AFC title game last year. Yeah, listen, Dez is still out there. You know, is that is that an option? Does he want to go to Jacksonville? Does he see them as competitive? This would be an opportunity to definitely be a starting wide receiver, probably with the Jacksonville Jaguars. Let me ask you something else about this one, Scott. I mean, we're talking about player safety all the time. We're talking about concussions all the time. We're talking about how players are not allowed to, you know, spear and lower their head. You know, a lot of defensive players have said it's pretty much impossible, you know, Scott, to tackle the way the NFL wants. You have to avoid the chest shot, avoid the head shot. This, this, this tackle on Marquise Lee that caused the injury, I fear that we're going to see more of these, Scott. When you change the strike zone for the defensive player, it seems like the NFL is telling people, players defensively you have to go low here you know we're not going to let you go high you gotta go low and if that's the can't if that's the case we're going to see more knees get blown out here this year scotty yeah and, and you know i understand what jalen ramsey is coming from because i remember when richard sherman talked about the whole problems that he has to helmet to helmet and talking to former nfl players too like chris dolman hope he's doing okay you know after his brain surgery last year uh, mm-hmm. you know, Chris was telling me, look, you can't, you can't stop yourself when you're launching to somebody. It's not to control yourself in midair. Right. You're not trying to, you're not trying to place a certain hit. You know, you're just trying to dislodge the ball or, or stop the play. It's, uh, look, I understand you want to get player safety and everything, but you know, it's changing. It's changing the way the game is played and guys are going to get injured. You know, it's, it's a violent game. You guys get in now. Maybe guys don't get concussions. But now their knees get blown out. Exactly. It's like, you know, it's six of one, half a dozen of the other. You know, you're asking people to, you know, kind of change their strike zone, as I call it. But the game moves so fast. How are you going to be able to tell that? And how you know, remember, you also have a world-class athlete that is trying to evade this tackle, right? So they're going to move left, right, up, down. It's very hard. If you can't hit the head, you can't hit the chest up top, you're going to wind up hitting some knees, and these knees are going to get blown out. I think, um, you know, it's not – I'm not saying it's short-sighted, Scott, but it's like it's almost – you remember those – uh, I think it was like Elmer Fudd or Yosemite Sam with Bugs Bunny, how like Elmer Fudd would put like one hole up in that dam in the cartoon and then another leak would spring, you know, and he put up another hole and another leak would spring. They're try- the NFL is trying to cover up the leak in the dam around the head injuries, but they're going to be creating a bunch of ACL injuries this year, and ACL injuries last the entire season. So definitely something to keep an eye on. Unfortunately, I don't think Marquise Lee will be the first case of this where a defender really doesn't know how to hit anymore, doesn't know how to tackle. And we're going to see also, Scotty, in my opinion, I think we're going to see offensive numbers explode because defenders 
safeties, linebackers, cornerbacks, they don't know how to tackle. So what are they going to do? They're going to risk. They're going to not want to get, you know, ejected, which you can now if you go low. And they're going to be pretty passive, I think, tackling. And then you know what's going to happen? These world-class athletes are going to break tackles and go to the house, Scott. I think we're going to see an offensive explosion this year if, in fact, defensive players (laughs) make the business decision, right, of I don't want to get ejected. So I'm going to like try to take a weird angle or just wrap up. And then these offensive players are going to break tackles, Scott. Yeah, you know, it's, it's going to change the game, you know, in a lot of ways. And, you know, it's going gonna, it's gonna to cause a lot of injuries for certain mm-hmm. that, you know, are going to change fantasy outlooks. It's going to change the way we bet, you know, on games yeah. too. Because if you lose major players, you know, that's going to happen. Yeah, absolutely. Something bad is going to happen. The way I kind of – the analogy I make, Scotty, is when you're in a big March Madness tournament, you have to pick some 12 and 13 seeds, right? You know, you can't just go the chalk. You're not going to win. You have to zig when other people zag at some point. And I think that's what this kind of bold and confident predictions article is really about, right, Scotty? You got to give people some some – some ideas of where they can zig where others zag that might help them because just being chalk is not going to be fun or exciting or lucrative for you in a fantasy football season. Right, Scotty? Exactly. You put it perfectly. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. So let's bounce around here and see some of the guys that you like or don't like and that are bold predictions here. Some of the people, some are people we've talked about, you know, because like in Miami, you've talked about Kenny Stills will catch 70 passes for the first time in his career, that Kenyon Drake will challenge the Dolphins' lead in receptions, and, for example, that the Dolphins will be one of the worst teams in the league, only winning three games. We talked about that one a little bit. Here's what I want to ask you about. Um, San Francisco. You say here, Jarek McKinnon will miss at least four games and will not be a top 15 running back. There's been a lot of hype on Jarek McKinnon because of that buzz that he'll be the Devontae Freeman role in that Shanahan offense. We've already seen some of that injury concern. Um, When you say Jarek McKinnon will not finish as a top 15 running back, here's my question for you. What does that mean for the value of Matt Breida? It means Matt Breida is going to be in the mix. You know, if he can stay healthy, he's... He's got a shoulder injury, but I see this team throwing the ball a lot. You know, right right now you look at Jared McKinnon, five nine, two oh five. Uh, you're not, not not built as compactly either as, as Devonta Freeman, who's already starting to see the wear of a few years of a heavy workload. Yep. Uh, you know, I just don't think Jarek McKinnon is ticketed for that. I think too many people assume that he was going to be the starter that just take his numbers and increase them. You know, I don't right. believe in that. I don't. I don't think Jarek McKinnon. I think Jarek McKinnon is more of a timeshare back than he is a feature back. Yeah, I agree with you. And the uh, analogy I make, tell me if you think this holds water. <clears throat> I compare this to the situation of Lamar Miller, who, you know, was kind of uh, in a not a limited role, but, you know, he wasn't that workhorse in Miami. Then he signs the contract, goes to Houston, and is expected to be the, some kind of three down or workhorse back and has never really lived up to that potential and the increased opportunity. Can you see a similar path for Jarek McKinnon? Uh. Well, you know, Lamar Miller's still in line to, like, be a featured back. It's, it's, to me, it's more about Lamar Miller has just been, he's just been a disappointment, even though he's continued to get the volume. I, I, don't, I don't know if, 
he, but he's been able to stay mostly healthy. I don't know if McKinnon can stay healthy. And McKinnon's okay. more versatile. They're two different types of running backs. I see okay. where you're going with it, but from a scouting perspective, they're two different types of running backs, and Miller still has the opportunity to be the lead running back this year. All right, fair enough. We shall see. I'm just talking about a guy who, like, with that kind of increased opportunity, will he be able to, you know, lead there? Another guy that I'm interested in is a shot of Jamison, Scotty, a shot of J-Mo Crowder. You think he has a chance in PPR settings to be a borderline wide receiver, too, as Alex Smith's favorite target there in Washington? Um, He's had a great offseason. A lot of people say that he's in line, but then he it looks like he's got a groin injury that he's struggling with already um, that he didn't play in the last game of preseason for the Washington football team. Talk to me about why you think Jameson Crowder can have a bounce or can have a breakout season, but then are you concerned about any of the uh, injury bug that we're hearing about with Jameson Crowder? I think it's a groin that he's worried about right now. This is another This is another issue where an injury is short-term in the preseason and people bump mm-hmm. him down the board and forget about guy and he creates a value. He is their best receiver, period. And Alex Smith is going to find that out quickly. Yeah, I agree with you. And also, if you think about it, both Dotson and Richardson, their other wide receivers, are more kind of down-the-field bigger guys, right? Jameson Crowder should be able to patrol in the slot and have that middle of the field along with Jordan Reed uh, kind of to be productive there for Alex Smith. Your prediction here makes me smile. Uh, Scotty, because in my big home dynasty league, I have Jameson Crowder ticketed to be my wide receiver three behind DeAndre Hopkins and behind Stephon Diggs already. Um, Talk to me about Paul Richardson. Paul Paul Richardson is not a big guy. He's six foot, but he only weighs 170. He was was constantly getting hurt in Seattle. Yep. Uh, So talk to me about this Detroit passing game. It seems like... Scotty, you are down a little bit on Theo Riddick, maybe because of the potential of, say, Kerryon Johnson in the passing game, and because there's other people we expect that you are predicting will kind of have a breakout in Detroit. You know I got to you know, work our guy into the show. It might be, it would be so nice, Kenny Galladay. You think uh, Galladay will catch eight touchdown passes, and Theo Riddick will see his share of opportunity decrease in Detroit. Yeah, Theo Riddick to me is now going to be an afterthought. You know, they have LeGarrette Blunt at the goal line. They want to get more physical. They drafted Karrion Johnson, and their receiving crew is uh, you go going three deep now. So Theo Riddick's no longer be needed as much as, as he was in the passing game, I think, you know, because they did have a running game. They had to use him as an extension of the passing game. And his numbers have been declining the last few years. Uh, you know, I have no interest in having Theo Riddick in any of my rosters. Yeah, I remember he's been struggling with wrist issues the last couple of uh, last couple of years, he gets, and he gets banged up too. It's a good point. Yeah, he gets banged up, and here's the thing. They went out and drafted Kerryon Johnson. By all accounts, they like him. LeGarrette Blunt will be on the field as well. They've been showcasing Amir Abdullah, in my opinion, as well, but that is a very, currently, that is a very crowded backfield in Detroit. I want to ask you... Scotty, about the Tennessee Titans real quick. You have, as a bold prediction, Marcus Mariota will be close to a QB1. So, you know, I'm only going to guess that that's like, what, I don't know, quarterback 14, 15, 16, something like that. But I'm more interested in the 13, 14 range, yeah. 
Fair enough. But then the, the the other one that you have here for the Titans, I'm intrigued by because I have shares of this guy. You say in PPR formats, Dion Lewis will be a top 20 back, uh, an RB2. I know the injury history is a concern for some people. If you are in a PPR setting, if you're in a draft, and Dion Lewis and Derrick Henry are on the board, are you taking Lewis over Henry? Yeah, I am. Uh, I think he's going to be a big part of that offense. Uh, sometimes he might even get a few goal line carries himself. Re- last year he was able to stay healthy. He's going to be a big part of that offense, I think. Yep, and remember, okay, new head coach, I believe Mike Vrabel, knows about Deion Lewis from their time in New England. He went out and they signed him in the offseason, okay? They spent money on this guy. You always say follow the money. You're not spending money on people unless you have um, – you know, kind of plans to use them in a featured way. I say the same thing about Trey Burton up there in Chicago. Scotty, this is music to my ears as well. In the Greenwich Street Tavern League, Deion Lewis is my third running back, so I'm very happy that you think he can be inside the top 20 as well. Let me ask you something else here. Let's talk about, um, let's talk about Tampa real quick. You have some predictions around Tampa. Peyton Barber, you think, will hold this starting running back job for the first half of the season and more. But interestingly enough, similar to our guy Galladay, you also expect a breakout from Chris Godwin, that he's going to go over 70 for 900. Is Godwin going to surpass Deshaun Jackson, all these tight ends? Is Godwin the clear number two in Tampa in your eyes? I think it becomes Godwin number two and maybe O.J. Howard number three. It's just like Deshaun Jackson has been way overrated for a long time. Godwin's on the come. You know, they're going to look to him a lot in the red zone, I think. You know, big, fast target. Uh, you know, I like Godwin a lot as breakout, maybe even become a wide receiver three. Deshaun Jackson, I think people are going to be cutting him in fantasy football. Yeah, I agree. I think Godwin is the guy over there. Last one I want to ask you about because he is, as I've talked about, in my home dynasty league keeper. I am keeping this guy, and I hope he rides me to the promised land. And I am going to ride the roller coaster that is Patty. That's my homes, yo. You're saying he's going to be a top 10 quarterback. Oh, excuse me. No, you're saying that he's going to have games where he throws for 350 and three, but he'll also have a four interception game. You know, you talk about this fantasy roller coaster. Would you like having him in best ball, Scotty? Oh, definitely. Yeah, for sure. All right. But he's going to be totally unpredictable you, because he's going to have, like, some big, big games. You know, there's good, right. he's going to be boom or bust. You know, that's, that's what he's going to be. But you want him for the overall boom in best ball. It's just, uh, you know, he's going to be very erratic when it comes, it comes to seasonal. I could see where, like, oh, he's playing the Raiders this week. I, lo- I love it. You know, mm-hmm. and then he throws three interceptions against the Raiders. It is possible, you know. I'd be intrigued if in the best ball format to wait, wait, wait and grab yourself a guy like Patty Mahomes along with, say, a guy like Big Ben with his road home, home road splits are going to be crazy. You know you get the home eight home games for the Steelers where Ben it looks like he's sitting pretty and then you also have the potential of these pop-off games with Patty Mahomes if you want to ride the upside in a best ball league. And then your last things here, Scotty, it looks like you have, uh, you know, the Super Bowl you have is the Houston Texans and the Minnesota Vikings, and you are all in on Deshaun Watson, DeAndre Hopkins, and the Houston Texans as your Super Bowl champion, huh? Yep. Uh, look, there's problems in the secondary, but, you know, we saw in last year's Super Bowl that you know, usually you say defense wins championships, but, you know, it didn't last year. And I, th- I do think they have a great front seven, uh, that Deshaun Watson is ready for a big year. 
Uh, eventually, Dante Foreman's going to take over that running back job. Second mm-hmm. half of the season when he comes back could be dynamic. It just, it, you know, it's it's a bold prediction because they need guys, certain guys like Clowney and Watt to stay healthy. If everybody can stay healthy, that team's going to be very, very dangerous. Yeah, absolutely. I guess. Doing. We're talking about our internal league with a lot of the hosts here on the network. We got together on Sunday. Uh, you know, Scott, you, me, Blewett, Ventra, Corey Parsons, Frank the Tank, Greg Sussman, and others. You know, we're going to be competing for a little bit of that cash. Uh, nice little high stakes kind of action. I partnered with Mike Blewett, forming an FST kind of team. And Scotty, for me, this was completely our draft was such an example of letting the draft come to you. Okay, there were two, at least, there were three situations. Scotty, we're in this draft. Me and Mike were looking at each other. We were like, I wouldn't do this normally, but we kind of can't ignore what we saw as value. You know what I mean, Scotty? And 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 that's what we talk about when it's like you can't you can't go into the draft being like, I'm gonna get running back, running back. I'm gonna go blah blah blah. I'm gonna wait on this. You know, that sort of thing. Cause you never know. Okay. We drafted Melvin Gordon in the first round, you know, and towards the back end of the first round. You know, nothing crazy, right? And then as soon as we made our pick. Blewett and I started looking at, because we, we, we both were agreement of, like, leaning towards running backs and on the comeback. You know, we were like, let's look at what running backs will still be there. We were like, oh, maybe Joe Mixon will still be there. Oh, maybe Devontae Freeman will still be there. Blah, 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 blah. Then it comes back to us, and with our second-round pick, we, see, we hear some of the wide receivers going, right? We hear Odell going. You remember, Scotty, DeAndre Hopkins went incredibly late in this draft. He was a second-round pick in this draft. I think he went, like, 14 or 15 overall. And then on, on our way back, Michael Thomas is just staring at us right there. Blue had him as his number five overall wide receiver. I had him as like number six or seven. So we snapped him up, right? And then I'm of the mindset, I want to get my running backs early because they're so, you know, workhorses are so few and far between. But then in the third round, where Blewett and I were still looking at running backs. We wanted to get that running back. Who is staring there right right there in the kind of mid to late round three? We had the eighth pick. So we're talking about like 32, 33 overall. Scotty, Rob Gronkowski was still there. So we go ahead and pull the trigger and get the number one tight end off the board, Scott, at round three. But it was 3.8. You know what I mean? At like pick 32. At some point, there's value there, right? What do you think about Gronk at pick 32, Scott? Yeah, I would have passed on him. Uh, you know, to, to me, you know, taking, taking Gronk, you know, that early with such a key pick for your team, you know, he's – Always plays well when he's healthy, but he's such a big injury risk, you know, especially now that it's later in his career. I love what you guys did the first two rounds, and it's a great mm-hmm. example of, you know, letting the draft come to you. Like I said, we always get so many questions like, what do you think, you know, if I should I go running back, running back, wide receiver, wide receiver? Uh, you know, there's no set plan. And there's other people who want to identify certain players. Well, I've mocked, so these are usually the players that come around. DeAndre Hopkins doesn't fall to the second round of a lot of drafts. So every single draft is different. You know, there's a good example. You've got to let it come to you. I see people taking Gronk in the second and third round. You know, I think that bumps back what you could do with running back and wide receiver. I'd, I'd rather wait and take a Jack Doyle, a Kyle Rudolph, you know, even a Trey Burton. You know, they'd take a risk on Gronk and have him miss five, six games. Yeah, listen, I hear you. And we were both like, 
ah, we don't like doing this. I think I even said it out loud before we announced the pick. But at some point, we just thought the value was was too good to pass up. And we thought, listen, we can't scoff at having a week-to-week advantage at tight end, you know, assuming obviously that he's healthy. And then here's how we backed it up, though, Scott. We got, you know, because I told you, we were then worried about our running backs, right? We had Melvin Gordon, who we're very happy and comfortable with. But look at then, we have three other running backs who we think are going to, you know, in essence, represent incredible value at some point this season. You know, in the fourth round, nobody wanted Shady McCoy, so we took him. You know, Shady McCoy in the fourth round, Scott, this is a guy who, if he's playing 15, 16 games, he could be very easily be a top 10 running back. We got him in round four. Then what did we also do in round five or six? We go and get Mark Ingram, another guy who can be a top 10 running back when he is playing. And then we also grab Sony Michelle later on in the draft. And now reports are that he looks like he could be trending uh, to be able to suit up in round one. Yeah, obviously, he's part of a committee um, that up there in New England, and we'll see. But to address kind of how we didn't have running backs to start, we got McCoy in the fourth. Then we get Mark Ingram later on and Sony Michelle early on, earlier on. How do you think we adjusted, you know, using the Gronk pick with these other running backs? You know, Ingram coming off suspension, McCoy in the fourth round, Scott. Yeah, you know, McCoy's 30 years old. He's banged up. Uh, and, you know, he could be in danger of a suspension. But the fourth round is where he's going. I don't think it's value, but I think that's right where you should get LaShawn McCoy. So it's a solid pick. Uh, when Mark Ingram comes back, you know, he can easily be your RB2. And, you know, Sony Michelle has flex possibilities. Uh, who are your wide receivers outside of Hopkins? It's not Hopkins. It's Michael Thomas. Michael Thomas. Who are you? Oh, wide receivers one. Yeah, so there is our issue. We're going to probably, I mean, we have a lot of guys who I think are just okay. You know, I think we have a bunch of wide receiver threes. I know I you got a Manuel three Sanders. wide receiver threes. Manny Sanders, uh, I'm happy with Nelson Aguilar now, especially with this Jeffrey news, and then and Randall Cobb. It's going to be those three guys for two spots. Yeah, that's what happens when Sanders, you take Gronk, Gronk early in the third round. You mm-hmm. sacrifice something at another position. That's what yeah, often that's happens. what we what think. You should, what, what you should never do in the first four rounds to take a quarterback and a tight end together. That's a no-no. No, absolutely not. We didn't do that. We waited, waited, waited. I believe we were like the last team in the league to draft a quarterback, and then we did it, uh, and then we invested in our second quarterback. You know, only three rounds later, we wound up with Matt Stafford and Matt Ryan. So we are very comfortable with those two guys. One of those guys is going to wind up being top eight this year. You know what I mean, Scott? Yeah. Who is your quarterback? That's what we just said. I said we wound up, we waited on quarterback, and then when, you know, kind of two rounds later, we wound up with Stafford and Ryan. Yeah, that's. Uh, Which I think is fine. Stafford's going to be very efficient this year. And, They're uh, both going to be Ryan's, just fine. Ryan's, Ryan's a good backup. You can even stream those two, you know, based yeah. on, the, on how they're playing. It's just, we saw Phillip Rivers go so late, and it's just, it's a crime. I think he went in like the 14th round or, or something like that. Nobody wants Rivers because there's no perceived upside. Nobody is satisfied with a guy who's like top eight last year and top ten five of the last six years. Mm-hmm. There's no perceived upside for Rivers. You could win with Rivers. You could wait till the, like the 12th to 14th round and get him and be mm-hmm. fine. 
Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Rivers was, I believe, like a 12th round pick from Young Cardano in our GST League last weekend. Rivers, to me, you know, these are the guys, you know, Rivers, Stafford. Uh, these are some of the guys that I'm targeting that I've seen go, you know, 10th round or later in drafts. It's absolutely ridiculous. I look at our... Uh, at our draft on Sunday, when you talk about Philip Rivers, it was the benevolent stranger. Uh, John, I believe his name is, our, one of our listeners. He does have Philip Rivers, but, but Scotty, he has uh, three quarterbacks on his team. Philip Rivers, and he already had Cam Newton, who was obviously his earlier investment in quarterback. Cam Newton, Philip Rivers, and our guy, Terod. So he has three quarterbacks, Scott. Terod. Yeah. yeah, I don't think he um, has three so- quarterbacks. I think... I think getting the third one is a wasted pick. Yeah, a little bit much. You know, maybe he thought because Terod would seed uh, the the job eventually to Baker Mayfield, but you don't really need to do that with Cam Newton and no. Philip Rivers. To be honest, if you're spending the draft capital on Cam Newton, you know, then all you really need in this kind of league, if you're drafting him that high, you're expecting to start Cam Newton every single week except for his buy, right? So you're just looking for a guy um, – you know, who has a good matchup in that one week or uh, is ready just in case there is injury to uh, step on in. Well, there you have it. Listen, Scotty, I've been looking at some of these teams. There is some dead money in this league, and I'm very excited that we got a high-stakes league where we can go ahead and, you know, really threaten to win some cash. I look at some of these teams, you know, unfortunately, a guy like uh, Gabe Morency, who, you know, had some connection issues. We look at the weekend uh, talking warriors out there. He's got Dalvin Cook, right? But then his other... Running backs, Adrian Peterson, LeGarrette Blunt are the two running backs that he's going to have to choose to be his RB2 on a week-to-week basis. Outside of that, he just well, has Jeremy we, Hill we, we and, and Corey Clement. That's Gabe Morency. Okay, yeah. That's Gabe Morency. His running backs on his roster. Okay, I'll take Dalvin Cook. That make That's fine, right? But yeah. outside of that, literally, in my opinion— He's starting LeGarrette Blunt or Adrian Peterson. I don't believe in Adrian Peterson. I think it's a big-time committee in Washington. And LeGarrette Blunt is also part of a big-time committee in Detroit and a committee where I think he's going to eventually lose share over time to carry on Johnson. So I think later in the season, the Weehawken Warriors are really going to be struggling at the running back position. Yeah, it's, uh, and there's no trades in this league, so uh, exactly. he's in a hole already. Yeah, exactly. And in a similar vein, uh, the team Sun Luck, I don't want to get, you know, too hard on them. Those are uh, Carton's kids, right? They went very heavy at running back and uh, at at wide receiver. Listen, you know, they have uh, Julio Jones, who I like, but not many other, you know, they're starting Jordy Nelson, who I think is washed. They're starting Golden Tate. You know how much we love Galladay. And then we're talking about, you know, Sterling Shepard, fine. But then guys like Chester Rogers, Deshaun Jackson, Ted Ginn, I think they're struggling at wide receiver big time. And you got to start. Yeah, I think they'll be okay with Tate as a wide receiver too, though. They should be. And then they'd have to use Shepard as their wide receiver three. That's okay. But you got to remember, Scotty, in this league, you know, where no trades are happening, it's such a war of attrition. Every team will have injuries. So I think depth is even a little bit more important in this format, right? Yeah, it certainly is. That's why we went heavy running back wide receiver depth. I didn't even yeah, think absolutely. All right, Scotty. 
Yeah, you know, hey, I can't. They also took a kicker, like in round 13 or something like that. But hey, I digress. It's the kids, you know, against the experts. That's why they're going to, you know, you live and learn, right? All it takes is, that's what it takes. It takes practice. Listen to my man, Allen Iverson. All right, but in any event, let's close out the show here, Scotty, with some team names. I got a couple I want to bounce off you. Remember, we are trying to narrow it down to our best options. I think, Scotty, on Friday's show, Okay, we need to spend some time on Friday's show uh, building a poll that we will have last for, say, like four or five days over the long extended holiday weekend to crown our champion. Um, I got some more I want to bounce off you. Let's see if any of these make your uh, your top cut. I don't know at this point if it's five, six, seven or eight, but let's see if any belong in further consideration. The first one is from Mike Husky out there. We haven't heard this guy's name being used a pun much. You know him? All right, great. Friend of the show. And uh, I kind of like it. What about Pimpin' Ain't Breezy? Drew Brees. It's not bad. It's not bad. I'm going to put that in my list of further consideration. I don't know if it's going to make my top five either. But I do kind of like it. I do like it. I can't front. I like that one. What about uh, Carl Anderson? Our guy Carl Anderson now, he's got a number of submissions. So I'm going to reel them off for you. And then I want to find out from you of these submissions, which you think are the best. There's Deshaun Watson, your mind. Uh, There is Sherlock Mahomes. There is, you know, the tight end. One one at a time here. One at a time. Sorry. Uh, Sorry, okay. Deshaun, Deshaun, Deshaun Watson what's in on your, your mind. What's on your mind? It's not bad. That's not bad, but it doesn't quite make my top five. I do like it, though. Okay. Sherlock Mahomes. We've heard a lot of Patty Mahomes. Sherlock yeah, Mahomes. I kind of like uh, make this house Mahomes better. The best of all the Mahomes ones. Okay. Fair enough. Yeah. Remember, there is the Denver tight end who was on injured reserve last year out of Michigan, who I'm surprised a lot of people haven't used more in uh, team names. I'm talking about Jake Butt. Uh, so this guy says, I like big butts. You know, I cannot lie. Yeah. What do you think about that, Scott? I think it's too easy. That, 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 that's too simple. We can do better. Too than easy, that. right? Too obvious kind of thing. Yeah. All right. Uh, yeah. there's mm-hmm. two guys, one cup. That's not bad. Not bad. We've seen better out of Carl Anderson, in my opinion, potentially. But those are the ones from Carl Anderson. Thanks for always submitting them to the show. We appreciate you as a listener and part of Roto Experts in the morning. Um, I got a couple more. Hunt for Kareem Pie. Christopher Columbus. I like that. I like that. You like it? Hunt for Kareem Pie. You want me to put this up in your list for further consideration? Yes. Hunt for Kareem Pie. And who's that you putting it up there right now? That is from Christopher Columb. His name is really on Twitter, Christopher Columb. I'm imagining it has something to do with Christopher Columbus. Um, Two more from our guy Tyler Bryson. Kind of, I think, our leading candidate now for the winner of this contest Mm -hmm. overall. You know, he's got two more. I think this is two more that are pretty good. One is, uh, you know, know, the big social media uh, app right now. Scotty, I know you're not a millennial, but I know you know about Instagram. Uh, What about Insta Jimmy Graham? Insta Jimmy Graham. It's not bad. Not bad. Not bad. uh, I think it's not bad, but I also think it's... I like Huffer Green by a little better. And I think Tyler has come through with, uh, you know some better ones personally, right? So I don't think this is even mean, in the top three Taylor. of his. Yeah. Taylor, my yeah. bad. Uh, for yeah. Taylor. Um, and then the last one, also from Taylor, uh, last Manning standing. Nah. Nah. He's done, All right. he's done a lot better. He's still he my number one, better. and he's still my number four. He's my one, yeah, four, and six. six. Carry, on, carry yeah. on my wayward son. Oak Saquon, you see, in lights, Camara action. 
And then listen, I have other Taylor nominees in mind. Stairway to Evans and my Ingram toenail hurts. That's a top five of just Tyler right there. You know what I mean? So he's definitely been yeah. a strong contender. We'll figure this out uh, on Friday's show, Scott. How he about we dedicate a chunk of time? Yeah. He also has nine. I know that's what it's like. Too, so. You know what it's like. It's like <laughs> these guys in you know putting fifty lineups into a DFS tournament. That's why we tell people to go on over to Fantasy Factor, where it's just a single entry.